Welcome back to episode 73 and the first of the new year. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. It seems to go by more quickly every year, and now we're here in 2024. It's going to be a wild year, to be sure, in the United States, with a presidential election and the focus on the two conflicts around the world. They often say that the past is predictive of the future, and yet we're paving such new ground that the past may never be predictive of the future again, and we've seen that time and time again. We can look to the financial markets for this assessment. The bond market, for example, has predicted a recession for more than two and a half years because the two-year bond has been higher than the 10-year, and yet we're not even close to a recession. So at the end of the day, the new year is all so new, so buckle up your seatbelts. One of the relationships that I had from the Eubank win at Malmstrom Air Force Base was that the National Restaurant Association representative, a civilian who ran the spans of food service operations at Duke University, and I maintained a professional connection. Over time, I had a chance to visit Duke University and got a personal tour of the campus to include the athletic environment and was given a nice autographed visor from Coach K, the infamous Duke basketball coach. Over time, a position of vice president became vacant, overseeing most of the areas that I had experience with, especially as a services commander, and was encouraged to apply. At the time, there wasn't the level of diversity that they saw, and so, sure, I'll put my hat in the ring, and that was one of the reasons that my friends suggested that I do so. Things looked good. I had an advocate, and at the end of the day, I didn't get the position. There were seven areas of responsibility, and I had a solid five of those seven. The biography of the person who was selected had maybe three. Yen, he was an African-American. I got a call and was told that he forgot to share that I was Asian-American. Now, there are no sour grapes because there's no guarantee that I would have been selected. I share it because, unfortunately, sometimes factors that maybe shouldn't be considered are. I'm sure that as a minority, I see some of this maybe more vividly than others. And if you look at this current time period that we live in today, There are examples where someone seems to be selected on factors other than best qualified. And I'll have another example of that going forward. Another reason I tell this story is because it's a really good lesson learned, I think, at least from my perspective and what I have advised others. I've mentioned that I was only really qualified for five of the seven areas because it was a very expansive responsibility. And I've always encouraged people to apply for positions where they were 80% qualified. Now, that may seem odd to some. And the reality is that if you go into a position where you're fully qualified, then there's no real room for you to grow and expand your experiences. And it becomes less of a challenge as you walk into a new position. And so that's always been my advice. At the National Defense University, we get a new university president. Marine Lieutenant General Fran Wilson is promoted to the position in 2006 after serving as the Commandant of ICAF. At the time, she was one of the highest-ranking female generals in the United States Marine Corps, and her sister was also a flag officer in the United States Coast Guard 
and that made them the highest-ranking sisters in the United States military at that time. My colleagues in academic affairs were really excited that she was selected. Why? She had a master's degree in education, as well as an earned doctorate in education from the University of Southern California. It's quite unusual for a university president anywhere to hold a doctorate in education, and even more unusual in a professional military education university. So we were pretty excited because she would have an understanding of how higher education works. And sometimes it was advantageous and sometimes maybe not quite so much. By this time in my tenure with this assignment, we've made a lot of progress within the university from developing a program for interns across the university. And we had quite a few interns, as you might imagine, because of the prestige of NDU. We also established policies that enriched the university and faculty governance and many advisory activities with colleagues from around the world, like the ones I've described earlier. My responsibilities further increased when my colleague, Dr. Studs, was needed at one of the components to help them with their quest to improve their program to a level to award a master's degree. I had the chance to provide a further impact on the university, and that was incredibly rewarding. There's no doubt that my time at NDU was both exciting and rewarding, and yet also during this period, in some ways, and in small part, maybe it was the interjection of the medical kernel into my situation that caused a fair amount of stress, but I was having a number of issues at the time. There was a lot going on, and surely that would be one factor, I'm sure. I was having a a difficulty, though, sleeping, as well as having flashbacks because of the assignment at Malmstrom. I would often think about the many cases that we had, and I would play them over in my mind. And this is, I know, a little odd for some. I have the ability to play, like, little movies in my head. And so I was, they were playing sometimes while I was sleeping, and sometimes they would have just come up uh, during at random times during the day. And it was... It was rather bothersome, and it caused a fair amount of anxiety, and it was even further amplified when TV shows would include factors similar to the ones that we experienced. Now, I was working with my physician at the clinic, and on one visit, my regular doctor was out of the office, and instead I saw an active duty major who filled in from Fort Myer. When I walked in, she was reviewing my records, which at the time were all handwritten and how times have changed. She asked a lot of probing questions about a number of aspects about what was going on and a little more about the history that she was seeing in my medical records. She asked a lot of probing questions about a number of aspects of what was going on, and I was a little reluctant to go into too much detail because she was really just temporary. And yet she was adept at trying to figure out the root of the issues. She asked me if I had ever been diagnosed with PTSD. PTSD? At the time, I wasn't really quite sure what that was. I knew what it was from returning military members from war and the impact that they had, and I didn't really equate it to other situations. After we talked for quite a while, she said that she had a fair amount of experience with more than returning soldiers from conflict and said that there was no question in her mind that I, in fact, had PTSD. 
She believed there were a lot of factors that had manifested over my lifetime, and I was showing a number of symptoms that included the sleeping issues and the hypervigilance that I was experiencing. And although infrequent, I was also having sporadic panic attacks. She concluded that, in her view, and now in hindsight, she was right that every instance of purple rain in my life simply sat in the corners of my mind, and eventually. There would be factors that bring some of them forward. Well, she made an annotation in my record, and that was that. And I didn't think too much about it at that particular moment. I had a lot to do to get ready to leave the military and wrap up my several projects. I was still teaching, and all my real estate projects were taking up a lot of my time. I also think that knowing that my time was often filled throughout my life, those issues, while piling up, Were all kept at bay because I was just too busy to deal with them. To say I was able to keep them at bay is probably generous, and at the same time, I was still a very successful functioning adult, or at least generally. Once I started researching more about what PTSD was and how to deal deal with it, there was a bit more before I would really learn more about it, and I got a lot of information by chance. From a Navy chaplain who attended the same church that I did. Today, in the military, dealing with PTSD is much easier because it's recognized that when people need help, they should be able to get it. When I was in the military, it was much different. I know that if I had sought out assistance with these issues I was dealing with, and not, in fairness, knowing it was PTSD, it would have affected my career in a very negative way. And that's why, for most of my career, I sought the help I could get from chaplains because I knew that there was confidentiality. While that part of my journey is important, I try to put it in bits and pieces because, first, it's a little difficult to talk about, and secondly, I was learning about it as I was moving through my journey, and so I think that you can see why I put it. In the podcast, the way I am, because it's unfolding as I've gone through my journey, both the things that affected my life, and then secondly, how I learned、uh, what it really was. So, on to update on the condo flipping plan, as it's going along pretty well. The market is hot, and so I didn't use a realtor to sell the properties. I paid a small fee to list them in the MLS and advertised them on Craigslist. You remember that the key is to sell them and close within sixty days, so that I wouldn't have to make a payment on the mortgage. As luck would have it, I sold all of them within maybe only a week or so, and successfully closed before any payments were due. I was doing a lot of research on the various neighborhoods in Northern Virginia and Washington D.C., and when a condo was in a so-called up-and-coming area. Since I was selling the property before the up-and-coming period would come about, I often passed on those condos. I had a number in mind that I had to earn on the sale to make it worth my while, and there was one that got away. There was a new development in the Boston area of Arlington, just a mile west of where I was living, and it looked like a hotel rather than a condominium building. And I was thinking, who would want to buy a condo that? Looked like a hotel, 
Anyway, through my realtor, I got in pretty early and the pricing was very good as they weren't selling quite as fast as some of the others. It is also a bit further west and the further west you go, the less popular that the condos usually are. Remember that when you get into the room, you have to decide quickly if you're going to put a deposit down or pass. Because I didn't think I would be able to sell it very quickly, I decided to pass. Interestingly, I got a call about a week later. The units just weren't selling very well, and they were offering me a second chance to buy in that building. And again, I I passed. Usually, I would check on the properties that I passed on to see if I made a good or bad decision. In this case, the property came online, and I would have almost doubled my money. They sold very well once the building was completed. And like the stock market, you can't make every play. As I'm flipping the condos, my condo is coming along. With the hot market, there quickly became a shortage of trades employees and cost for builders was rising. The other major issue at the time was a huge shortage of building materials, especially concrete. And if you've seen any of the condominiums in the Washington, D.C. area, it's concrete. Some builders are paying the higher prices and some were less inclined to do so, slowing their project down. Mine was one of those being slowed down. Then another factor came into play. There was a condo being built less than a mile from mine. One reason that the condos along the area in Arlington that I was interested in moved so quickly was because they're along the Orange Metro Line. The Orange Metro Line goes from Roslyn, which is just across the Francis Scott Key Bridge, to Georgetown in Washington, D.C., and then west to Ballston, which is about a three-mile total distance. Clarendon, where my new condo was going to be, was just two miles from the bridge. So that condo being built just down from where my new condo was had an accident. As they were digging down to create the underground garage foundation, they nicked the top of the metro. All the condos along that corridor were slowed way down for inspectors and more care had to be made with digging with a lot of supervision. Most condos have at least two and many three levels of garage parking below the building, so they are digging down pretty deep. All these factors were affecting Station Square, the community where my new condo was located. Also by this time, the sales office had their scale replicas in the office of the Station Square, so you could see the actual rendition of the building other than just photos. And it wasn't good news. I looked at that model and the condo I had picked out that, remember, had that nice balcony that went from one bedroom along the front to the other bedroom was where the two buildings came together. And there was a notch so that the balcony was actually set back from the two buildings. And I figured out pretty short order that it would get no sun. And this wasn't good. I asked what my options were, and there weren't good ones. I had to decide if this was a good or bad idea. As luck would have it, because of the slowdown due to the Metro incident, 
we got a letter from the company that said that we could bow out and get a full refund of the deposit because the estimated date of completion was going to be set back by months. And, of course, we all knew there was more than just the Metro issue. Since it's still a hot market, there are other new projects, and there was one right across the street next door to Station Square, and I really did want to live in Clarendon. It was a bit taller and as good a location as the one I was moving into. So do I jump ship and take a chance that it will be completed sooner? We knew the sales manager, and so we kind of had that quiet conversation about when they were going to go on sale. It really was, do you keep what you have and hope, or do you jump ship and have a lot more questions in your mind? Because of my realtor's relationship with the sales manager at Station Square, we got a whisper of a solution. She said that when the penthouses are released, if another unit owner decides to move up, then I could shift over and pay the difference if there was one in size for the different size of the condos. Now, it wasn't the best solution, and the hope with the next door building also didn't seem like the best solution. So I decided to stay where I was and keep the whisper agreement in mind. Fast forward the building that I almost abandoned my building for never was built as condos. It was built as apartments. And so I would have really been out in the wind. It wasn't too long after this conversation took place that I was in California on vacation and it was in a remote area with limited cellular service. I got a call from my agent at the pricing for the penthouses was released. It was a $50,000 premium to move one floor up. What was my decision? I had 48 hours to decide. That was a lot of money. I told my realtor that I was probably going to stay where I was and rely on the whisper conversation that I could move out of the one that I didn't want into one that was better on the ninth floor. Now, she urged me to keep thinking about it, and she was not going to call until the time period had elapsed. With the time zone difference, I certainly had a lot to consider. She called me back again and encouraged me, I really need to move up, and gave me some data on other unit pricing. And while it was a lot of money, it seemed to be in the middle of what penthouse units were priced at in the local area. The next day, she called back and had more news. The buyer of one of the units decided not to move up and they were going to offer me that penthouse, which was bigger than the one I purchased and didn't have that shady concern. The problem is I would not only have to just pay the, pre the penthouse premium, I'd also have to pay for the additional square foot premium. And by chance, I had brought a layout of the condo floor plan, so I told her I would get back to her in a few minutes. I crunched the numbers, and the other unit was in a much better location. It was just three units down the hall, and it was against the stairwell, so there would only be one neighbor on one side and one neighbor below me. I figured I could maybe flip another condo or so and decided, okay, I'll make the move. I'll be back the following week and while well, since I was away, and they would have to wait for me to sign the documents. My realtor took a voicemail confirmation 
and that was good enough. So I no longer had to worry about the shade issue and I was getting a condo that I knew I would be much happier with. And I was getting the penthouse level, which is what I really wanted to begin with. So it was actually kind of working out. About this time, my hiking friends and I were at the annual Washington Gay Pride Festival, and I was meeting more new people. After the festival, we gathered for a house party, and I met a charming young man. By chance, he lived in Crystal City and was asking around for suggestions on where to move. He had moved to the D.C. area from Alabama, and like so many of us, moved to Crystal City initially it's expensive and it is a bit of a different environment in Crystal City. I volunteered to help him the next weekend. He had an unusual accent and learned that he was here on a work visa from South Africa. Enter Alvain into my circle of friends. That next weekend, we look at what is available and I showed him where I lived at the time. And as you might expect, the further you move outside of D.C., just like for condos, apartment prices also do drop. So the new condo that he found was a block and a half from where I was living, and he liked it and moved in just a few days later, as I recall. We became instant friends, and he came over to my condo often. He was an interesting guy and had both an amazing life growing up in Africa and worked for one of the big four accounting firms. He hadn't had a lot of friends who were of Asian background, and so for the first bit, I would be introduced as his Asian friend, with his accent. One of our first interests was working out and cycling. It was a very short time after he moved that we were scheduled to work out together. Both of our condos had a small gym, and his was far better, so we would often work out in that gym. I was biking home from work, and oh no. I'm hit by a vehicle and am off to the hospital. While I have some injuries, they are relatively minor and I won't be held overnight and yet not serious enough that I'll be seen very quickly. I texted Alvain and told him that I was in a bike accident and had to cancel our workout. About half an hour or so, I look up and there's Alvain. What? How did you know what hospital I was in and there certainly was no need for you to come. Now, I hadn't known him that long, and he had my first name, which was my nickname, and he knew my last name, although with his accent, he didn't pronounce it quite correctly, so somehow he figured out where I was, and they figured out that I was probably the only one that was there that has, well, was in a bike accident, and he stayed with me until I was released, and they told him that someone had to stay with me for the first night, because of the pain medication that I was on. And I told him, once we left, that there was no, no need to do that, and he could just go home. He didn't live that far away anyway. Now, as it was, he did stay overnight, and the next day, I'm calling to report the ER visit to TRICARE, which is the military insurance that's required, and I had to answer a bunch of questions to include my birthday. Now, I am not the most, most forthright with my age, as many of you already know. There have already been several episodes where I shared that I shaved off as many years as I could. So, in this time frame, I was trying to shave off more than a decade of years. And I realized that they're asking me for my birthday, and anyone can do the math. So, I'm whispering my birthday into the phone. 
When I got off the phone, he says, "I know how old you are." I said, "How do you know that?" Well, apparently, I wasn't really cleaned up by the time he got to the hospital, and I had quite a bit of blood on the side of my face, and he did not want to look at that, so he focused on my arm, which had my hospital band on it, and oh, by the way, my birth date, rats. Oh well, the secret was out. Of course, all of you know my real age, since my journey did start on a certain and specific date, and I say that with a grin. Next week, the last condo flipping project comes about, and the delayed delivery of my condo. I finally do retire from the Air Force, since I couldn't fudge the date any further. Have a great weekend, and welcome again to the new year. Let's hope it's a prosperous and joyous year for all of you. Thank you for tuning in.